Hey everyone, it's Pastor Micah, lead pastor here at High Praise Crestview. I want to say thank you for choosing to listen to today's podcast. I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening from today and go connect with us on social media as well. My prayer is that as you listen to this message, you're encouraged, blessed, and transformed by the power of the Word of God. Now open your heart and get ready to receive what God wants to speak to you today. you be a note taker this morning uh we're talking about champions game plan though but tonight you know whenever the clocks in the stadium strike zero at the end of the fourth quarter guess what let me ask this who do you think is going to win tonight and I, I i'm going to answer the question because my grandpa always said it like this okay my grandpa always said whoever has the most points at the end of the game okay <laughs> whoever has the most points at the end of the game guess what that's who wins that's the way football works in case you didn't know uh so if, if you have the most points you win in the end of the game there's going to be a winning team and there's going to be a losing team who wins the game is based on this who comes and shows up with the greatest strategy or game plan and then enacts, not just comes with that game plan, but then enacts that game plan and strategy into their play. That is who will end up with the W tonight. That's who will end up walking out with the Lombardi Trophy. That's who will win the Super Bowl this evening. Whether it's the Niners or it's, or it's the Chiefs, I can't tell you that. I am not a prophetic football person, okay? Because the Lord doesn't care about football. And it's not prophetic signs of the times. We'll talk about that another time, okay? Some of y'all are really scratching your head because some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> but listen, what I want you to understand is this, as we even start this message, is this. You are part of a greater thing than any team that you can see with your own natural eyes. You are part of a greater kingdom. You are part of a, understand what it says, you are part of a greater nation than the nation that you live in. Some of y'all are really struggling with that one. Your citizenship and power, strength, and authority in the kingdom of God is stronger than your citizenship in the nation in which you live. And if you are not convinced of that, you are lacking authority of the believer. Okay? You are part of a greater kingdom, a kingdom that knows no end. You're part of a team that has already won. You serve a leader that does not lose, and you follow the one who leads you into victory after victory after victory. Look at somebody and say, you got it better. You got it better. That's the... Now turn your Bibles this morning so we can have a scriptural message. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. I'm not just going to talk about football. I'm actually going to use the Bible, okay? 1 John chapter 5. Verses 1 through 5 says this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Stop right there for a second. So the scripture simply says this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. In other words, anyone who believes that Jesus is Lord is born again. Not just Pentecostal. Not just Assembly of God. Not just non-denominational. Not just Baptist. Everyone, how many people? Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. 
How do you show that you love God? Keep his commands. Goes on to say this. And his commands are not burdensome. Let me just tell you something real quickly. If you think it's a drag to serve the Lord, you are not serving the Lord correctly. If you think it is a heavy weight and burden, or if it has been preached to you and taught to you that the, the ways of the Lord are heavy and difficult, and you'll, man, you're, you're going to always struggle because you're serving God. Guess what? That is not what the Bible says. It says that his commands are not burdensome, which means this. It should be actually, there should be a lightness to serving the Lord. Now, what that doesn't mean is you're free to do whatever you want. How many of you thankful that we live in the United States of America? Amen. I'm thankful. How many thankful we have freedoms in this nation? Amen. I'm thankful. We have freedoms that a lot of other nations don't have. Please hear me. It's not a perfect nation. We are not a perfect nation. We are, we are a young nation still, and we have a lot of work to do still ahead of us, okay? I'm not saying that we've arrived and everything's perfect, and, and no matter who's in office, guess what? It's still not perfect, okay? And no matter who will be in office, until we put the Lord into the picture, really where he's supposed to be, guess what? It's not going to be working out very well. We got to do it his way. But anyways, I'm thankful we live in a free nation, but guess what? There are laws. There are commands or boundaries I'm called to live by. From, I would probably say the majority of people in this room, hopefully all the people in this room, are not upset. And you don't go to bed at night thinking, oh man, I really wish murder wasn't a, like, to not murder wasn't a law. Because I really want to kill my boss. I don't think, I, I think most of us in this room don't go to bed. I would hope not. Okay? If you do, you need to get right with the Lord. Scripture talks about that. <laughs> Have hatred in your heart is the same as committing murder. But for some reason, when it comes to the things of following the Lord, we think, oh man, there's a way that I'm supposed to live my life? Oh, what a drag. And what you need to realize is that the Lord puts boundaries or commands on your life not to hurt you, but to keep you walking in healing, to keep you walking in the fullness of freedom, because there are things that you don't need to go into because it's going to create heartache, problems, struggles, and issues for you. So many of the things that you are frustrated that you can't do are things you don't need to do. And the Lord has made it that way for a reason. Let's keep going. I, I, I'm, I, that's not my, my notes this morning. His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God, listen to this, overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of the living God, the son of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word today. Holy Spirit, we ask now that you open our ears to receive of what you want to speak today. Lord, let it not just be my words speaking, but Holy Spirit, we ask that you speak. Let it not just be some eloquent teaching or preaching, but Lord, let it be a divine message from you, God. 
I thank you, Lord, that our ears are open and our hearts are open to the transformation that you want to do within our lives today. Thank you for this download from heaven that you've given to us to help us overcome and win in everyday life. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Amen. I want to give you real quickly this morning six keys to a championship game plan. Six keys to a championship game plan. Number one is this. Realize what team you have been drafted to. Or we could say it like this. Know that you are bought by the blood. Know what team you've been drafted to. Or we say it. Know that you are bought by the blood. At the end, uh, I'm going to use a lot of football references this morning. So if you're not familiar with football, not only are you going to learn about the word of God, you're going to learn about football this morning, okay? Uh, At the end of a college season, there are young men and athletes that have been playing uh, vigorously throughout the season. And um, they come to this point where they can decide to opt in to the NFL draft, now, there are certain requirements they have to meet in order to opt into the NFL draft. Uh, but they make that decision that they're going to opt into the NFL draft. And uh, when that takes place, NFL teams, all the way even before this, they're scouting these players. In other words, they're looking at whether they want to draft them for their team. If they're a scheme fit, if they can play on that team, if they, how well they are, if they have the, the IQ that they need to play, uh, the football IQ to play on their team, do they fill the position that is needed? All these different things they're looking over as they are investigating this player, okay? And so then there become, there, it's time for the NFL draft. When the NFL draft happens, these teams that have been scouting, now what they're about to do is they are about to make picks in the draft, which means they're going to pick that player for their team. And like I said, there's a lot of different variables as to how they pick and why they pick and so on and so forth. But oftentimes, the reason a team doesn't draft, most time a team does not draft a halfback if they really need a quarterback. In the first pick, they're not going to pick the first halfback. They're going to pick the best quarterback out of the bunch, and hopefully they'll be a franchise quarterback for their future, okay? It's just filling the needs that are, that are in the team, right? Can I tell you that in our lives, in the spiritual realm, there are two teams that are trying to draft you. There are, because listen to me, there are two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of darkness and there's the kingdom of light. There is the, the devil and his kingdom and there is God and his kingdom. And both kingdoms are after you. The enemy is trying to tempt you, persuade you, and all these different things as to why you're, you fit into his scheme and why you'd be a good fit so you can do whatever you want, so on and so forth, and the pleasures of this world and all this. And then there's the kingdom of light. There's a kingdom, which by the way, if you don't realize this, you were created by that. Which means your original plan was to be on that team. That's how God wanted you to be. Matter of fact, the Bible says like this. It's not God's will that any will perish, but all will come to know him. That's his will. So when he created you, it was his will for you to be on the side of him, on God's side, to be on his team. And let me just encourage you this morning to make that decision, make that decision that you are going to serve the Lord. That as for men in this house, let me just say something to you. And if you're a single mother in this, in, this, in this church this morning, you can make this declaration over your house too. But listen, if, there's, if, if you're a married couple in this room, men, you are called to lead your families and lead your households. 
That is biblical. Now, husband and wives, we lead together. But men, you are called to lead. You're called to be one that stands up. Too long we've let... (coughs) Excuse me. For too long... Men want to be <laughs> men. Uh, men want to be the strong ones in the natural, but the weak ones in the spirit. Yeah, I'm rough and tough. No, you are a weak, passive person in the spirit. You are a wimp in the spirit. I'm gonna hit it where I'm just gonna say it like it is. Because there are a lot of men that are spiritually wimpy, but naturally, yeah, I got it together. Yeah, I work out cool I don't you're so superior (laughs) but God's design and plan when you go back to Genesis and then you study marriage and you study families is that men if they are present in the household they are supposed to be the leaders now we've preached on this before and I don't have time, too much time to get into it but I don't want anybody to get a wild hair and go alright I'm going to beat my wife into submission okay no I'm not talking about that I'm not talking about lording over I'm not talking about being demanding because you still lead together to become one flesh Bob talks about but men you set the spiritual tone for your house you should be the one that's setting that tone in your household okay I don't remember where I was going. Somebody need to hear that apparently. <laughs> about leading and men leading the household. Oh, yes, I remember where it's going. And you <laughs> need to be those that are standing in your household's household saying, just like Joshua did, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yes. And for the women in this household, in this church today. If your husband's not there yet, you can, you can stand and you can say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Even whenever he's not, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can prophesy over your marriage and over your family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can tell your kids, hey, listen, as for me and my house, listen, we love and respect dad. We're going to respect dad. As for me and my house, as our, but you know what? We're going we're gonna to still serve the Lord together. You can do that. And it's important. Amen. You need to realize that what team you've been drafted to and that you're bought by the blood. If you have called on the name of the Lord, if you have accepted him as your savior, that means this, you are born again. And this is what it means. If you are born again, according to the scripture, you are promised overcoming power. If you are born again, you are promised overcoming power in accordance to the scripture. Can I tell it to you like this? If you're born again, you're on the correct team. You're on the team of victory. The Bible says like this, if you're born again and you, man, I, you want to be a faithful attender, uh, attendee at church and you want to be a faithful member of the body of Christ and you want to serve others as Christ serves, uh, came to serve us, we want to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ and you want to serve and serve on a serve team and all these different things, let me encourage you. You're doing the right thing because you know what? The Bible says it like this. He says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Because in other words, what the script, that scripture is promising is no matter what storm may come, no matter if the fire 
fires of hell burn brightly towards the church and the body of Christ, guess what? It still will not win. It cannot overtake you. It cannot overcome you because I've put something within the church that is greater than what's in the world. And you know what's in the church that's greater than what's in the world? The Holy Spirit, God himself, indwelling within us, within our church. You want to know how the church was birthed? It was birthed by a spontaneous moment of the Holy Spirit. And now we think the Holy Spirit is weird. That's some haunted mansion stuff. We, we act like the Holy Spirit is weird now. And it's only because we've made it weird. It's only because we're like, whoa, what, God, did you, did you speak that to, to my, inner, my inner being and to call me to do that? God, are you still... We believe that God still speaks in the earth today, okay? We are a prophetic church. We believe in prophecy. We believe that glory follows order and all things should be done decently and in order, okay? The Bible talks about that a lot, and we don't have time to go into that this morning either, about the the order of the church and um, what's commanded according to the word, which by the word, we by the way, may really blow some of your hair back. We believe that women can minister, because if you actually read the word and you actually study history and you actually study theology and you actually study that stuff, you will find out real quickly that what was said in the word in regard to women in the church was not what you think it means. And I got a whole message. If you want to sit down and have that conversation with me, I would love to have that conversation with you and enlighten you on what the word of God actually says and means and goes much further than you just, women be quiet. Said it. Yeah, but study context, okay? Like, be a be a, a study, a studier of the word. Be a studier. That's right. I'm using Southern lingo to tell you to get more smart. Okay? Get more smarter by studier in the word. Okay? <laughs> That's right. Good word. Hey, Amen. <laughs> People who are born again will be those who win. You say it like this, and you may want to write this down. You may need to write it down somewhere. If I'm born again, I will win. Whatever I'm facing, if I'm born again, I know I win. My victory may come forth in a way that I never, never thought it would happen, but I will win at the end of the day. Even if it means at the end of my days, I go and be with Jesus, guess what? That's ultimate victory. I won. Because he won over death, hell, and the grave and made a way for me to be there. Huh? That's a victory. Now, obviously, nobody wants to go die tomorrow. <laughs> but at the same time, sometimes we need to change our lens on what victory is. And we think victory is a Burger King burger. I want it now. Have it your way. We think it's like McDonald's, a million smiles served daily. As long as I smile, I got victory. Sometimes, no. (laughs) Sometimes things take time to see victory and a steadfastness in your heart. Now, when I played football, I played one year, one year of tackle football. Um, For my family, my dad's pastor, it was not well for my family for me to play football and one of the reasons was because we had a midweek service and we did not allow sports to dictate our dedication to the house of the lord we just didn't do it 
my dad said, we're not playing that game. So when I early got involved, and I mean, I was only like eight or something, but I was good, and I was husky. I, I wore the, I shopped in the H section, okay? True story. Uh, so I was a lineman, and I was good. I, I could knock guys much bigger than me straight on their butt in a heartbeat, okay? Probably couldn't do that now, but then I could. Now I just grab my back and, oh, my back! <laughs> but I remember playing the Panama City Beach Barracudas. I was the Callaway Rebels. We played the Panama City Beach Barracudas. And um, they would do this thing. And before games, they had to go do what's called a weigh-in to make sure that everybody was under a certain weight. So the smaller guys that were out on the field um, did not die. <laughs> okay? <laughs> So, the Panama City Beach Barracudas, we do our way in, and I can remember, there was this one big, I mean, he was a big kid. I, we were supposed to be eight, I'm pretty sure this kid was 18, okay? Like, I, this kid was probably, and now, look at me, I'm not tall, so that's not saying much, but this guy was much taller than me, um, all, much bulkier than I was, and he weighed in, he was overweight, so um, what they did is they would go into the bathroom after the weigh-ins and they'd switch jerseys so that the guys who were overweight of what they were supposed to be to play for the health and safety of the other players, um, they could find a way to make them play because they were their key, key players, obviously, because they were much bigger than everyone else. So I say that to say this. I think many of us in this room I won't say many of us. Let me, let me take a step back and reword this for a moment. I think we have found ourselves, some of us have probably found ourselves in this place where we find ourselves switching jerseys, but not with like another player on our team. We try to switch jerseys with the other team in the spirit. Meaning this, we are weekend warriors, but weekday demons. Because... I'm going to remind you, there is no gray team. There's the kingdom of darkness and there's the kingdom of light. I, nowhere in the scripture can I find that there's some other kingdom where there's this other, uh, you know, well, you can be like Switzerland and just like, I don't care what's going on. Like, I, there, I, don't, I can't find that in the scripture. You're either all in or you're all out. There's an old song, some, probably only... About people from, let's say, 2000 and younger might know this song. There's an old song. Anybody ever seen Aladdin and the King of Thieves? Yes. Are you in or out? Right, no, I'm I, I remember that song. We used to watch that travel all the time. You're, in the kingdom of heaven, you are either in or you're out. You either choose, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to put on the armor of God. I'm going to go forth and accomplish his purpose, his destiny, his, what he wants in the earth. Or I am going to do whatever I want, which by the way, whatever you want is not always in alignment with what God wants. So oftentimes what you're wanting is actually more in line with what the enemy wants for your life. So, some of us, we, we go and we come to church. Woo, praise God, bless the Lord. Yes, Lord. Chains fall, fear bow, hear now, Jesus, you change everything for the next hour and a half. Then I'm changing what I want, and I'll come back next week, or maybe in a few weeks, and sing it again, and put back on my weekend warrior jersey, and really support Team Jesus. That's not the way that God wants you to live. 
You will live in frustration. You will live in difficulty. And you'll cause difficulty for those around you as well if you live that way. If you're going to call on the Lord, let that be the team you live for every day. Amen? Amen. Number two is this. Know the playbook. Number two is champions game plans. You got to know the playbook. It means you have to know the word of God. You cannot get out on a field to play and not know the plays. Matter of fact, I coach flag football for a little bit because my kids play every year. And um, even with, uh, I was coaching four, five, and six-year-olds. Which, by the way, if you've never coached four, five, and six-year-olds in organized sports... If you need the fruit of the Spirit that is patience in your life, gentleness, self-control, long-suffering, if you need that, man, go sign up to be a coach, okay? The Lord will work that within you, okay? I loved it, and I because I, I love kids, you know? I mean, Pastor Chelsea and I, that's where we started in kids' ministry. So we love kids, and my, my son was playing, and they needed a flag football coach, so I said, okay, I'll do it. But even with kids at four, five, and six, I had seven plays drawn up. And at practices, you know what we did? We went over the plays, and then we went over the plays. We went over the, we were the Buccaneers, surprise. And we had Brady one and Brady two. Those were pass plays. Then we had, um, oh, I wish Reagan was in here. He could remember them all. I had one called Captain Crunch. I gave them silly names so that it would spark things in their minds so they knew, help them. And it was different. It would be, you know, Captain Crunch goes to orange. And they all had colored wristbands. So they would know if Captain Crunch goes to orange, I'm orange. I get the ball. They would know this, right? I say that to say even at a young age, kids have to know the playbook. Even when they're playing organized sports. And that goes through the rest of their organized sports career if they play anything else you have to know a game plan you have to know the playbook you have to know the the different plays that are inside of the book which means this you have to know the word of god the scripture says this this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith is what the scripture said how do you get more faith well you read the word of god more because the bible says this that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god so if faith is our victory and the way we get more faith is by reading the word. It would stand a reason that if we know more of the word, we will see greater victory. Yeah. And we will see more victory within our life. Because we must know his word if we want to know his victory. Yeah. If you want to see his victory in your life, you've got to know the word of God. Because the enemy is always trying to scheme and figure out how he can attack you and bring things against you. But if you know the word, you will be able to combat every single thing that the enemy throws at you. I believe that. You know... Jesus, Jesus was tempted. The Bible talks about when Jesus was tempted. What did he use against the enemy? He used the word. It says that he spoke the word. Can I tell you that just because you're tempted doesn't mean you don't know the word. In some circles, even temptation has been taught as sin. Temptation is not sin. That's ridiculous. If temptation is sin, we are saying that perfect Jesus wasn't perfect. He sinned. But Jesus was the Word made flesh. In other words, He was the Word walking. He is the Word and everything that's within it. 
And even Jesus, the word of God, walking in the earth, is tempted. So just because you know the word of God doesn't mean temptation won't come. But it does assure this, that you can use the word that you are locked and loaded with to overcome temptation. To win and have victory within your life. If you know his word and know his voice, you will know his victory. Number three is this. Know your role. My dad, uh, he might watch this later. He might get on to me. I'm 31 now, so I'm going to say it. And just, Dad, I, I, I receive anything you may say later about this. But there was one time that, know your role. Know where you're supposed to be and your gift to the body. I forgot to say that. One time, though, um, believe it or not, I had a smart mouth. Anybody else in this room have a smart mouth? And I don't mean you're a genius. I just mean you're really sarcastic. You say things that you know you shouldn't say. My, my uh, oldest son has gotten that honestly because his mom, and his, her mom sitting on the front row, and she will agree. Uh, Pastor Chelsea is very smart. Very smart, if you know what I mean. I am also very smart at times. And I remember one time I said something. Those couple times I was smart. As a child, I worked for my dad too, so I was also smart as an employee a couple times. He told me one time, he said, know your role and shut your hole. <laughs> like the rock has entered the chat, okay? Like, but there is something to that in knowing whenever you know your role and what you're supposed to do in the kingdom of God. You won't feel like you have to speak up about everything else and be something that you're not. You need to know what you're called to do. And when you need to do something, do it. You won't see victory if you just know his word. You must also do his word. Okay? That's important. You must do the word of God. It is great to have a lot of head knowledge. It is much more difficult to actually practically put that into your everyday life. So you've got to do that if you want to see victory. Your job, though, listen to this. You may want to write this down. Your job is not to make the victory happen. Your job is to be obedient. Obedience to the word will bring victory. In other words, you don't have to make everything take place. You just need to be obedient, and then God brings everything into alignment. You follow his way and his word over your life, and he begins to bring everything in the, uh, uh, into alignment and he's, in other words when the Lord tells you hey go pay for that person's meal and you look at your pay t- you look at your bank account you're like Lord are you sure about that? it's not your job to go get understand when I say this when I under, hear my heart when I say this please it is not your job to go make finances pop back up in your account God may open up doors for you to work more. God may open up doors for you to get bonuses or raises or different things like that because of your faithfulness in your job. Maybe that'll take place. And you'll have to put your hand to the plow some, but that's just a part of being obedient. The Bible says to, when you do your job, do it as unto the Lord. So that's part of being obedient. So what I'm getting at is here. Whenever you are obedient just to what the Holy Spirit or the Word speaks over your life, 
God will bring victory. God will bring promotion. God will bring provision. God will bring what is needed in your life. He's not going to ask you to do something and then not show up to help you. If he asks you to do something, he's also going to be your helper. Amen? Now, I want to read this scripture real quickly because just as a receiver knows it isn't his route, I mean, it is not his job in football to throw the ball to himself 50 yards down the field. Not only is that impossible, but he knows that's not what I do on this team. His job on this team is called wide receiver because he is out wide and he's lined up. His job is to run down the field to whatever the route is that they have and get open so that the quarterback, the guy who throws the ball, can get the ball to the wide receiver, the one who catches the ball. That is his job. His job is not to be under center, down to hike, throw it, run 50 yards, and then try to catch that ball. It ain't going to happen. Same thing goes with us in the church, okay? You have something to provide and supply to a church and to the body of Christ. You, there's something God innate put within you. I'm going to show you this in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. It says this, Romans 12, 3 through 8. I don't have it on the screen, so just listen. Or if you have your Bible, you can turn there if you want to. Romans 12, 3 through 8. For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you, for just as each of you, I mean, just of each, each of us has one body with many members... And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. In other words, treat your finger with the same respect that you treat your toe and realize that your finger is not going to do your toe's job, and vice versa. How many of you ever got mad that your toe is not doing what your finger is supposed to do? Why aren't you picking up my food? Like... Anybody sitting under the, I hope not, okay? Maybe your kids. Reagan's been at the table a couple times. I'm like, what are, put your feet off the table, son. The, you know, I don't get mad whenever those things don't work. And that's how we should be. We shouldn't be upset whenever somebody else is doing something that we were never called to do. Maybe you really wanted the gifting of singing, but you got the gifting of serving. Listen. Serving is needed. Singing is needed in the church. I believe that. I believe the Bible talks about Psalm 8 2, that God ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and still the avenger. We have a whole book called Psalms that, guess what, are all songs to the Lord. Singing and songs are important, and I believe they should be in the church. We believe that. We, at, hello, our name is High Praise, okay? Like, here's your sign, literally. But the scripture said, goes on to say this in verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraged, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. The scripture is yelling to us, hey, you all have something different, innate within you that God has placed and created you with. And let me just let you know right now that you are fearfully and you're wonderfully made according to the scripture which means this the gifting God put within you he put within you for a purpose you may not like your gifting but you know what God placed it within you for a purpose don't let it sit you know what how many ever looked in the mirror and went man I really don't like the way I look I'm gonna have an altar call for liars at the end of this service and all of you 
with the exception of right back there, because he raised his hand, are going to get right with the Lord because you lied. <laughs> Every single person in this, in this building today has went to a mirror one day and said, Ugh. <laughs> Tina the talking tummy. <laughs> All of us in this room at some point in time have went, ooh, I don't like the way this looks on me. Ooh, I don't like this. I don't like that. Of the people that have done that, guarantee you, if you're planning to go somewhere, 99% of the time, you don't decide to not do what you were called or supposed to do because of something you didn't like about yourself. Huh? How often, though, do we not like the gifting that I'm tired of dealing with kids? That's the gifting God gave you. Use it well. Let me be honest. Sometimes I'm tired of preaching. I'm going to be real, real, okay? Y'all know me. I, I I don't fake anything. Some days I don't want to preach. Today, my voice hurts. Been battling a head cold for a week. I don't want to preach. My throat hurts. Okay? But I didn't allow that to be something that kept me from using my gifting. From using my talent, my ability that God placed within me. Don't allow what you don't like about what God gave to you be the thing that keeps you from blessing others around you because other people need what you got. Could you imagine? I know, I still got two more points. We're going to go till till 2 o'clock. No, I'm just playing. Could you imagine if tonight Kansas City Chiefs come out and play the 49ers? And all of a sudden, Travis Kelsey decides he wants to be the starting quarterback, which, by the way, he's the tight end. And for anybody who doesn't know who that is, he's Taylor Swift's boyfriend, okay? Got it? Taylor Swift, I mean, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift decides she wants to play tonight, okay? No. <clears throat> Probably let her. Uh, Travis Kelsey decides he wants to be the quarterback tonight. He's never played quarterback at the Kansas City Chiefs. He's always played tight end. Which means he's a guy on the line who sometimes will go for a pass, sometimes will block during a run, okay? In case you didn't know who that is. <clears throat> so he decides, I want to be quarterback. You know what? That begins to create division and problems within the team. That's why, honestly, at high praise, we understand that we can, we say this all the time, we can't be the church for everybody. But we believe that there is a church for everybody. And whenever we start going on the the thought process of we are the elite church, we are the only church, we are the church that everybody should be at, so on and so forth, guess what? We begin to create division in the body of Christ. And for way too many years, we've had churches that have went around with that thought process, a haughty spirit, a prideful spirit, that think they are the best thing since sliced cheese or since sliced bread, and that nobody can do church better than them, and they have all the theological understandings that no one else can even fathom, and so they're the only ones that can preach the gospel. No, listen to me. There is a church for everybody. We firmly believe that, and you have something 
something to plant in this church. If you're part of the church, you have something to give to this church. And we're not better than anybody else. We're just uniquely doing what God has called us to do here in Crestview. Ministering, equipping believers, building families, and furthering the kingdom of God. Because we don't want to cause division. We want to cause unity so that the kingdom can be established and furthered in this city. Amen? Because you imagine, you come in. You know, Mr. Newland comes in and goes, Pastor Micah, I'm preaching today. I say, Mr. Newland, no, you're not. No, you're not. Now, he, he does have a gifting to preach and teach. But he's not gift, he is not gifted to be the pastor of this house. And there are Sundays that he's preached and teach the word of God. And it's been great. But if he came in and he decided he was going to start getting in everybody's ears then, hey, don't you think I'm a better preacher? Hey, don't you think I'd be a better pastor? Because that's the way it works. Division begins to strike. Which, by the way, division is of the enemy. And if you're doing any form of division, gossip, backbiting, tailbearing, you're being fueled by the enemy. And you stop. Okay? So let's know. Straight up. You begin to do those things. You're actually working for the kingdoms of darkness in those moments. Yeah. It's division. You got to know your role and you got to do what God's called you to do. I'm going to keep going. Now we're coming to an end. Number four, study your opponent. You got to know who you're facing. Study your opponent. The devil is dumb, in case you didn't know. And the Bible, uh, you know, it says what the scheme of the enemy is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the scripture talks about. And guess what? The enemy's scheme has not changed. The enemy's plan is to bring division, steal, kill, destroy, bring anger, jealousy, anxiety, hatred, sadness, and depression within your life. And listen to me, if you're going against any of those things in your life, it is not of God. It is the enemy, okay? And Craig Rochelle, um, I don't listen to him often, but I was scrolling on Instagram the other day, and they posted a quote from something he said. And he said that anxiety is actually, in, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase what he said, anxiety is the trigger that should actually call, call you to prayer. Not fear and all these other things. You need to be called into prayer. I'm not saying that you won't, fear, you won't feel fearful in those moments. What I am saying is that you need to pray even in the midst of fear and anxiety and depression and anger and all these different things. If you're facing any... And this goes past anxiety, okay? Hear me, hear me out. If you're facing any plan of the enemy, let that be a trigger for a prayer life. Let that be a trigger. And if you don't know what else to pray, if you have your prayer language, you begin to pray in that perfect language. That's what we call it here. We call it that perfect prayer language. Whenever you begin to pray in that, the Lord hears you and prays a perfect prayer for you. Listen to me. All those things that the enemy has done, Jesus has already overcome. In other words, I'm going to say it like this. Your enemy has failed, he will fail, and he'll keep on failing. He'll never stop, he'll never stop failing. He's going to fail, okay? Your enemy will fail. And according to the word of God, he can't overcome those who are in Christ. Number five is this. Y'all stay with me for about three, four more minutes. Number five is this. Make adjustments. Know where you are weak and adjust or ask for help. This is one of the biggest keys to a champion's game plan and also one of the most difficult things for us to do is make adjustments. Anybody ever, anybody ever been told by their spouse, you need to change? Anybody? Anybody ever just leap for joy? Yes! I know! Thank you so much! No, most of them, you need, you need to change. 
<laughs> Making adjustments is not easy. Sometimes it's very difficult. But it's important. <laughs> I'm going to give you real quickly a couple stories, real fast, football stories. I'll put the first screen. In 2022, many people might remember this, the Minnesota Vikings played the Indianapolis Colts. That's Kirk Cousins was there on the screen. He was the quarterback at the time. And um, the 10-3, and three, in other words, the better team, the victory team, the team that was a shoe in to win, was losing against the 4-8-1, and eight and one, which means the one was a tie. Nobody won that game was losing by 33 points and literally the Vikings have put up zero points. None. Nada. Okay? What happens next is they go to the locker room. This is what happens in football. In these moments, you know what they do when they go to the locker room? Make adjustments. Where were we messing up? Where were we failing? Where were the, where were the weak parts in our offense? Where were the weak parts in our defense? What can we do to do better? So they go into the locker room and they come back and they make the greatest comeback in NFL history to date as of right now. And they made it come back 39 to 36. That was the final in overtime. And Justin Jefferson got out there and gritty and all that. But 39 to 36 and they won that game. What's fascinating to me when I look at this always is the fact that they held the Colts to only three points in the second half. You don't do that without adjustments. Not only that, they scored 39 offensive points in the second half. You don't do that without adjustments. But we'll rewind a little further. We'll go to the greatest Super Bowl comeback in history. We find Tom Brady at halftime, the, the, the classic t- hung head, upset Tom Brady, frustrated that his team was losing. Now at halftime, New England had zero points. This, you can see those third quarter. So we're talking about only 17 minutes and 12 seconds of game clock actually left in the whole game. And they're down 3 to 28. Tom Brady, frustrated. Once again, Tom Brady, uh, New England was the favorite in this game. They were the better team. Came out, began to see a loss. Turn it all around and ha- after that and the halftime adjustments and the sideline adjustments. Came back and won the Super Bowl 34 to 28 in the greatest Super Bowl comeback in history. I bring these things up for you and I know uh, I, one reason is just because it's, it's a football day. And so I want to kind of I want to bring this for you. Even whenever you think all hope is lost and you but you know you're on the greater team doesn't mean you're done. Just because it looks like the enemy has you on your back and it's halftime and you're frustrated, but you know that God's authority belongs to the believer. Victory belongs to the believer. Lord, I know this to be true. Why am I facing this? The Lord may speak to you and go, guess what? You need to make some adjustments. You're looking at your marriage right now and you're going, Lord, why is there division? Why are we on the brink of divorce? The Lord may look at you and speak to you in your marriage and go, hey, guess what, buddy? You need to change the way you're treating your wife. You need to change the way you're leading your family. You might need to stop drinking. You might need to stop smoking. You might need to stop doing this and doing that and watching this and watching that. There might be some adjustments that you need to make so that you can have a restorative power within your marriage. God can begin to speak to those things even when it feels like all hope is lost and you're losing. If you make the adjustments, I firmly believe that God will arise and bring victory. But will you be willing to adjust? That's the question. They went into the locker room with humility, willing to listen, recognize their weaknesses, and make those changes. Scripture says this, James 1.21. 
Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. In other words, the ways of darkness. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness the adjustments that are needed in your life to save your soul. The word meekness means this, to be teachable or moldable. Teachable or moldable. It's important that we allow the word to work on us and remain teachable and pliable. We need to let our lives remain like clay that can be molded. And sometimes the Lord is going to tell you to adjust some things in the way that you're doing life. And sometimes you are going to need to be the adjustment for someone else's life. Holy Spirit's going to ask you to help somebody else. In football, sometimes they have to call a double team coverage because that player needs help. There might be people that you encounter that you need to help out. Let me encourage you to do that. The last thing is this. Number six, get your head in the game. Simply this, be passionate about God. Be passionate. Be a passionate server of the Lord. Serve the Lord with passion. Those that play with no passion receive poor outcomes. You know, sometimes my grandpa said it two ways. He'd say either the team with the most points at the end of the game is going to win, or he'd say this, the team that wants it the most is going to win. Can I tell you that whenever you show up with passion about God, when you want to see victory, God does not let you down. He brings forth that within your life. If you want to win, you must be passionate about your faith, passionate about persevering, passionate about doing the things God has called you to do. The scripture says this, to never lack in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Let me encourage you, if you feel like you've been losing passion to serve the Lord, ask Holy Spirit to stir that in you once again. Lord, stir fresh passion within my heart to serve you. Let me encourage you, if you want to win, you must be passionate about the things of the Lord. And if you don't have that passion, get that passion back. These are two things right here. Passion and persistence will lead you to victory. Passion and persistence, a stick to itness, and never giving up. But listen, this is often where we find ourselves. Some of us in this room, whenever we are facing adversity, we lose passion. But some of us in this room, when we receive victory, we lose passion. I've seen it time after time when people praying, Lord, bless my finances. I need help, God. Be the miracle maker. Provide for me jobs, better jobs, promotions, checks in the mail, greater things. The Lord shows up and does that for them. Next thing you know, and they were passionate givers. They were sowing. Next thing you know, they get, they stop being passionate about giving because the Lord starts blessing. So, oh, I don't need to do this anymore. The Lord's blessed me. They stop showing up to church. They stop with their relationship with the Lord. And you know where they find themselves six months later? Back on their knees in prayer. Lord, I need you. Bless my finances. Brought your blessings. Or maybe they're, now they're praying over their marriage. Lord, I need you in my marriage. Lord shows up, restores their marriage. They work on it. Now their marriage restored. I don't need anymore. Lord, I need a spouse. Lord, I need, I need you to spend, send, send me a spouse, God. I need a husband. I need a wife. I need a boyfriend. I need a girlfriend. <laughs> Get a husband and wife, girlfriend, boyfriend. They're passionate about the Lord. Yes, Lord. I receive your blessing. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. That's what your scripture says. Glory. Get, get that all the passion they have for the Lord now turns just for a person 
Where do they find themselves six months later? Frustration in their marriage, frustration in their relationship. Because all victory begins and ends with a passion for the Lord. All victory, I'm gonna say it again, that's good. All victory begins and it ends with a passion for the Lord. Let me encourage you, be someone who is passionate for the things of the Lord. This is the champion's game plan. I believe this. I'm not saying everything's gonna be perfect. I'm not saying you're gonna be an overnight success. I'm not saying everything's gonna be great. I'm not saying that you're, you're never gonna face issues, but what I am saying is whenever you face those things, there's a game plan that God has for you on how to overcome. And if you'll go back to this, the Lord will help you. He'll lead you and guide you into victory. The Bible says this, last thing. Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph or leads us in victory. Can I tell you, when you give thanks to God, he begins to lead you in that victory. Will you stand to your feet this morning and will you lift your hands to the Lord? I wanna pray over us before we leave today. I wanna pray over this word. We're gonna submit it in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you now for this word. I thank you for these people today. Thank you that your word is life and it's power for us. I thank you, Lord, you've given us a strategy from heaven on how to overcome, on how to live, on how to have authority, on how to see victory within our lives. Lord, I thank you, God, as we go forth from this place. We don't just hear these words, but we enact these words. We do what the word says. We follow the playbook of heaven. We thank you that as we do that, God, you make all things turn around for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You bring victory into our lives. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. You've started good things within us. Even if it's just salvation, you've started something good. So, Lord, I thank you, Lord, you are the one, even as your word says, that you'll be faithful to complete it. He who started a good thing will be faithful to complete it. So, God, I thank you for that now. I thank you for overcoming power and authority that we have now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Will you give God one more hand clap of praise today? Hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah.